So, this is the self-development with tactics. Book. So, this one's going to be about Elon Musk and how he decides things, you know, whether it be business things, whether I think also personal things, but definitely business decisions. Uh, but more after the intro, as always. <laughs> as every day, you know, because this is something that we are used to, actually. You know, something that we are used to, something that we are doing every day. You know, at least I'm doing it every day. But yeah, <laughs> with that being said, hello, welcome back to the next episode of the Self-Development with Tactics podcast. And I'm really pumped, especially because I think that this episode is going to be something pretty valuable for a lot of people. Especially, you know, because I know that a lot of people are interested in what Elon Musk is saying and what he's doing and those things. Because every time, every time when Elon Musk is in the title and in the text of my video and in the thumbnail, I do just know that there is going to be at least one click on the video. And maybe even a lot of watch time, you know, it depends on the video, I think. But there's definitely a click and it is just really interesting, you know, because I'm seeing that. I'm seeing that I'm having the data. It is just really fucking interesting. So if you're in a video just because there's Elon Musk in the title, you're welcome, <laughs> I guess, or something. But yeah, um, just to point it out, this particular episode is also available as a podcast, which means that you can just listen to it, which means that it might be a way more effective, but especially way more efficient way to consume this episode, just because you're just able to do something simultaneously, like jogging, working out, whatever. You know, you can just be doing something simultaneously while you're listening to the episode. So if you're interested in quite of an audiobook form of this particular episode, then please go down into the description and there should be the link to the podcast and the episode of the podcast should be called like this episode as well. So the podcast site is going to be linked, especially because then you can also choose to listen to the podcast on Spotify or on, on uh, Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts, CastBox, Stitcher, everywhere, quite. But yeah, um, as I said, in the intro, we're going to talk about decision-making, you know, and how Elon Musk is able to make those decisions. And yeah, that's me. And uh, it's a little bit fucked up since this website isn't responsible, you know, and when I'm just doing it like this, like how I'm normally having it, I could just make it way smaller. Like, yeah, I could do that. I could be doing that. Um, and it is pretty interesting just because they also um, then talk about the decision-making of Jeff Bezos, so the Amazon owner or the CEO of Amazon as well. He's actually only having 21% or 21.6% uh, of the company, which I didn't know, which I don't know. I don't know what makes him. You know, I don't know what those 21.6% makes him. I wouldn't say that he's the owner, but I'm not quite sure. You know, I'm really not quite sure. The only thing that I've seen is that he's only, quote-unquote, having 21.6%, you know. But still, those 21.6% make him a fucking hundreds, even more than $100 billion, I guess, at least. You know, just, yeah, not quite sure. So Elon Musk asks himself six questions before every major decision at Tesla and SpaceX. And I would actually argue that he's also making these or that he's also using these techniques and or this technique in his personal life as well. So I think there's no kind of, yeah, there's, there's no reason why he wouldn't do it. You know, let's say it like this, at least at my point of view, you know, at least as I'm seeing it, at least as I kind of think about it and feel about it. Um, this 
article, by the way, is from the Business Insider de site so it's the German site actually I don't know if it's also available on the um, on the American and also on the UK site I think it depends on where you're living because I'm living in Austria the nearest kind of server is then or the nearest site is then going to be the German one so therefore I guess this is kind of the reason and it was written by Abby Jackson um, and it was published on a, the, the the 6th of February I, February I guess it is like I'm always having some problems with um, not Austrian or, or German speaking area ish dates constructions <laughs> or something. So it's from 2018. You know, this is something that's that's the most important part. So yeah, um, I do hope that the font isn't actually too small, but I guess it's not since it's actually normally way too big. But yeah, so Elon Musk uses his uses six questions anytime he needs to come up with an idea, solve a problem, or decide whether to start a business. Elon Musk asks himself the six questions before making any big decision. He uses the process as his, um, as his own version of the scientific method. So it's basically a form of the scientific method, which I'm also going to talk about next, just because his version is way more complicated than the original one is. And the original one is just really simple. And uh, at least for me, it is more understandable, but we're going to get there. The inventor and engineer Elon Musk has successfully started $4 billion companies, PayPal, SolarCity, SpaceX, and Tesla, and to launch them and to answer any complex question, uh, he uses the same approach he told Neil Strauss of Rolling Stones. It's the scientific method, Musk says, or said, it is really helpful for figuring out the tricky things, which is actually a quote of him, so it is what he said, obviously. Them. <laughs> he describes his process this way according to Strauss. So the first one is ask a question. The second one is, or the second point or second step is, gather as much evidence as possible about it. The third step is develop axioms based on the evidence and try to assign a probability of truth to each one. The fourth step is draw a conclusion based on uh, coniency. So it's C-O-G-E-N-C-Y. I don't know how to pronounce it. I'm sorry. <laughs> In order to determine, are these axioms correct? Are they relevant? Do they necessarily lead to the conclusion? And with what probability? The fifth one, attempt to disprove the conclusion. Seek a refutation. Yeah, refutation. Or refutation. Refutation. Never mind. <laughs> From others to further help break your conclusion. If nobody can invite it, uh, invalidate your inclusion, then, or conclusion, I'm sorry, then you're probably right, but you're not certainly right. So this is actually his process. So the first thing is, just because I do want to summarize it a little bit, the first thing is ask a question, then gather as much knowledge or as much evidence about this particular question, you know, that you ask yourself, then develop axioms based on the evidence and try to uh, apply some sort of a probability to them, then draw a conclusion based on those uh, axioms. And the fifth one is actually seeking uh, refutation, which is something that I don't know, um, but it's probably means, it probably means like, okay, seeking feedback and or seeking criticism, actually. You know, it's, it's more criticism than it is feedback just because you're consciously looking for um, basically negative feedback. So it's, it doesn't mean that, you know, it really doesn't mean that uh, criticism is negative feedback. It, I do not want to say that, but um, he's seeking for actually negative feedback. You know, he's seeking for 
uh, somebody that is actually able to somehow invalidate his conclusion or invalidate his um, hypothesis, and which is actually also kind of the term that all the other scientific methods are using rather than um, <clears throat> conclusions. But yeah. And the last one is, if nobody is actually able to invalidate it, then it's, it's probably going to be right. But not certainly. You know, it's probably going to be right for your circle, for your environment, for you. But it's, uh, I don't know, we are not able to just ask and talk to anybody on this planet. So therefore, yeah, it might also be the case that it is not right. And this is something that you have to look out for and something you have to maybe also prepare for. Um, I do just think if I should actually go through what Jeff Bezos is talking about and his kind of process, or if I should stick to the scientific method and, and try to explain it further. But yeah, let's, let's actually see. So Musk's, uh, Musk uses these, these six questions anytime he needs to come up with an idea, solve a problem, or decide whether to start a business. He values this kind of evidence-based decision-making, and he criticized people who can't separate fact from feeling. Most people employ, it's true because I said it's true, he told Strauss, and this is very unscientific. And I gotta have to say, a lot of people actually do make decisions based on their feelings and based on, um, like, really how they feel like, you know. I don't really say feelings just because it's, it's not really feelings, but it's more like how they feel, you know. Like, just, they decide with their gut, basically, or through their gut, whatever it's actually called, I don't know. And, um... It is really something also that people like Gary Vee have said that it is not a good thing. So not directly, but he said like, okay, um, he's a really, he makes decisions based on facts, you know, and this is something that he is doing and he has seen that a lot of people are, dis are not doing that. And I assume that it's actually not a good thing, you know, to, to always use your feelings and always to just make feelings based, make decisions based on your feelings because there is a lot of evidence and there's a lot of facts and there's a lot of data around that we can use to actually make decisions that are in a scientific light, you know, or seen in a scientific perspective, they're just good then, you know. And if we're actually making decisions based on our feelings, it is how we feel, you know. It's, it is basically actually a 50-50 chance or probability if it's going to be a good decision or if it's going to be a bad decision, you know, unless you're actually thinking about it and unless you're actually somehow not gathering data, but more like evidence as he says it, you know, because for me, it could be the same, you know, but if I'm just thinking about actually making decisions based on my feelings, then I'm thinking like, okay, does this make sense, you know? Does this make sense based on the values that I'm having? Does this make sense based on the things that I've seen, like my experience, uh, things other people have told me? And um, I would still say, if you're doing this, like it could actually work. You know, you do not need data. You do not need to have, um, um, like I'm really thinking because it is just something scientific. I'm really, um, yeah, I, I really tend to think about numbers and just having the, the actual data and the actual evidence and whatnot. But this actually doesn't necessarily have to be the fact and the truth and whatnot. But yeah, um, enough of a contradiction, <laughs> actually. And let's actually see if I can quickly find... Uh, because I've actually looked it up and I've actually also read the article before so that I'm somehow prepared and so that I somehow know what to talk about, which is something that's actually really important for the episode, you know. I've, I haven't underestimated it, but I've never actually thought that it actually does make such a big difference. And uh, there's actually some 
I'm, I'm going to use this one, I guess, because I kind of believe that this is the best one. Um, so I might be switching to this uh, thing so that we are now able to... Um, no, it's always like a little bit of a fucked up thing here. So here it is. Um, here it is. I think you should be able to read everything and everything should be quite fine. So this is the steps of the scientific method. And I'm also going to explain for all the podcast listeners so that you're also getting the information. Um, but I'm just now showing a little bit of an infographic. It's, it's a pretty nice one and I think it's a pretty... Um, understandable one as well. So it's actually really kind of explaining it, you know. Elon Musk's explanation is a little bit difficult, at least for me, you know. Some people do not really need this, but uh, since I do not know maybe a lot of the vocabulary vocabulary that he was using, it's actually a pretty great way for me to understand it. You know, even though he said before that um, he's not, he's using the scientific method, but he's, uh, he has changed it a little bit, you know, like, like I assume, like for his kind of um, so that it is actually working best for him. But yeah, so the steps of the scientific method. Um, it is uh, going to be about plants, you know, so, that, so just to, to prime you a little bit. Um, the first thing is observation, you know, and what you can see now in the book, picture is some soil, some seeds, and a little plant. And now there's the question. So the first step is the observation. The second step is the question. And the question is, which type of fertilizer, uh, fertilizer I'm sorry, or fertilization, Fertilizer works the best. The third step is the hypothesis. And now you're actually seeing a, a person and this person is standing in front of three different kinds of fertilizers. A, B and C. Uh, plants grow with fertilizer A will grow the fastest. The fastest. Fastest, I'm sorry. <laughs> so, plants, so this is actually the hypothesis. Plants grow with fertilizer A. Plants grown, I'm sorry. Plants grown with fertilizer A will grow the fastest or just using fertilizer A will let the plants grow faster. But yeah, so this is the third step. The first one is, I'll just repeat it again, the observation. The second one is the question and the third one is the hypothesis. Then the fourth one is the results and the last one is the conclusion. And what we've actually seen in this picture right now is that it actually is the case that uh, fertilizer A makes the plant grow faster and also better, I think, than all the other fertilizers. So the conclusion is, the hypothesis was proven correct. And this basically now is a scientific method. And uh, so I'm going through it once again. The first thing is observation. The second thing is the question. The third, the hypothesis. The fourth one is the result. And the fifth one is the conclusion. Um, but there's also other graphics which actually show some sort of a cycle, you know, a cycle that actually also explains what you should be doing if the conclusion isn't right and or if your evidence wasn't right and or just what to do if there's something unexpected maybe and what not. Um, so let's have a look. Well, let's actually use this one because it's a little bit better. Can you see that? Yeah, you're able to see that perfectly. But not like that. Thank you. So the first one is there ask a question. So the scientific method is going to be somehow different in different situations, I guess. And or just a lot of people are going to explain it in a different way. Even though often you can see that the first thing is a question. Um, but you're also able to see relatively often that the first thing is, um, is, is observation. But yeah. So in this case, the first thing is now going to be ask a question. 
The second point is do background research. The third one is con construct a hypothesis. And I do really believe and I do really think that this uh, kind of way to do it is, is, is pretty great, to be honest. Because uh, like asking a question like what fertilizer is the best one, then doing some background research, which actually makes you, well, you can actually have a hypothesis. You know, you can actually do that. You know, but if you're not having a lot of background knowledge and or if you do not have any knowledge in this certain subject, it is basically like guessing and it is then just relatively unnecessary, to be honest. But observation or observing certain things might be also kind of getting background knowledge and just getting general knowledge on these particular topics as well. So I don't know. You know, observation for me is more like, OK, looking at things and seeing what I what I'm able to see. But yeah, you know, having some background research or doing some background research definitely makes sense, at least at my point of view. Then um, after you've constructed a hypothesis, test it with an experiment. And I think this just also totally makes sense because how would you test it in another way than by actually practically doing it? So yeah, you're testing it with an experiment. The next one is a procedure working question mark. If it is not working, then get back so there's another kind of box here, which says troubleshoot procedure, carefully check all steps and set up. So it actually sets you back to testing the experiment once again, just because you might have done a, uh, some sort of a failure or you failed with the experiment or something wasn't just right with the experiment and not really with the hypothesis itself. You know, This now has nothing to do with the hypo hypothesis. It only has something to do with the experiment. But if the whole experiment was working, then analyze the data and draw conclusions. Either um, results align with the hypothesis and or results align partially or not at all with the hypothesis. And the last step is going to be communicate results. But there is also, again, another box. If the conclusion is like, okay, my hypothesis was wrong, then you're going to back or you're going to be led to another box, which is experimental data becomes background research for new and future project. Ask new question, form new hypothesis and experiment again. And this actually draws you back to the construct a hypothesis box even though I would say by what the box actually says, it should draw you back to asking a question. But yeah, so the first step is ask a question. The second one is do background research. The third one is construct a hypothesis. Then you're going to test it with an experiment. If the experiment is working, then you're going to just draw the conclusion, see if it is working or if it is actually the case that your hypothesis is right or not. And or if the whole experiment is not working, then you're going to go back to the experiment and see if you have done anything wrong with the experiment to make sure that the experiment is totally fine. And um, like, yeah, you know, if it's still not working, then it's probably going to be your hypothesis, you know, that you're going to have to go back to actually constructing the hypothesis in a different way or um, you're going to ask a new question and or you have to do more background research um, for being able to maybe ask a better question and or have a better hypothesis, I guess. But yeah, but yeah, as they actually say themselves, experimental data becomes background research for new and future projects or new and future project. So this basically is now the uh, scientific method. But I've just seen before that there's also the engineering method. And I'm quickly also going to go through that since we're having quite some time left. And the other thing from Jeff Bezos is actually really important as well, but it's not such a long thing. So engineering method. The first one is define the problem. Then you're going to do some background research once again. After that, you're going to specify requirements. 
Then you're gonna brainstorm, evaluate and choose solutions. Then you're gonna develop and prototype the solution. Afterwards, you're gonna test the solution. After you tested the solution, you can either say that your solution meets the requirements and or the solution does not meet or only partially meets the requirements. And at the whole end, you're gonna again communicate the results. But um, if it wasn't working, so if the solution didn't meet the requirements or only partially, then this is gonna send you back to a new box. And this box says, based on results and data, make design changes, prototypes, test again and review new data. So it's going to just, again, actually draw you back to the experiment part. So it's not gonna draw you back to, um, to, to, to having an idea, of course, you know, because it wouldn't also make any sense there because you're defining the problem. So the problem is definitely there. Then you're doing some background research and then you're gonna specify the requirements, you know, what it should be doing and whatnot. And then there's gonna be brainstorming and developing the solution and then testing the solution. And if it's not working, then you're obviously gonna go back to brainstorming and evaluation, choosing the solution and then developing it and whatnot. So it definitely makes sense. And this is the engineering method. But now we're actually gonna back to the original article, but I could also be doing it like that, I guess, you know, because we do have, yeah, it's quite fine, I guess. Like. It could be better. Is it actually the case that... Let me see. Let me see. Because I'm not... No, it should be fine. You know, because I'm actually having some sort of a color correction thing on my camera. So it's 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 live, live, lively camera, uh, lively color corrected. corrected. And I kind of assume that it is not the case for this particular scene that I'm having. Because in, in the program or the software, which is OBS that I'm using... Um, they call it scenes, and you can apply those certain effects to, to every scene or any part of the scene. And uh, sometimes, you know, it's, it's not going to get copied and those things. And yeah, you know. But Jeff Bezos. Jeff Bezos is only having two options when he's making decisions, and those two options are just it then. So Amazon CEO Jeff Bezos also has a set uh, has a set framework for decision-making. In a 2016 shareholder letter, he distinguished between type 1 and type 2 decisions. The type 1 decisions are, are and now this is a quote, are consequential and in irreversible or nearly irreversible one-way doors. And these decisions must be made methodically, Bezos wrote. So the first type is, once again, um, consequential and irreversible or nearly irreversible, so one-way doors, and these decisions must be made methodically. The type 2 are decisions which are changeable, reversible, and they are two-way doors. And they can and should be made quickly by high-judgment individuals or small groups. And especially the, the last one, so the type 2 is actually really important for me. Since I've been talking about it, it's just really, 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 really often. Because um, this is something that Bessus was talking about relatively as often as well. And uh, he always says, and he often said that we should make decisions really, really, really fast since a lot of those decisions are type two decisions and or type two things which are reversible, which are changeable, which can be um, reversed again after you've failed or after you've just fucked it up again. You know, we are able to do that. Therefore, it is also just really 
smart to just be fast because in this day and age it is actually a huge advantage when you are faster than anybody else you know if you're able to just make really fast decisions especially if you're having a lot of competition if you're having high competition or big competition then it's definitely just going to be an advantage to being able to make decisions really fast and if it's like okay you can reverse them you know anytime anywhere and it's also not going to cost a lot of fucking money then why not you know then why not going just and or having the risk and having the risk of actually making a wrong decision and or making a false decision and uh, yeah then reversing it with some money of course i think it's not going to be just uh, really smart you know if you're just doing lots and lots and lots of just false decisions it's not going to be good it's not going to be great but yeah you know it is what it is yeah, this is actually it with this with this article. And I do hope that I was able to actually give you something, to actually provide you with something that, that helped you, you know, because I really, really uh, thought about that yesterday that I'm actually having to do something that helps other people rather than having, uh, than, than actually doing something that helps myself or is only something for myself. So I'm really consciously now thinking about doing something for other people and not just uh, providing some value to other people, which is something that I before was doing as well. But now I really try to, always always remind myself on that point just because it is so important you know it really is so important therefore it like i have to remind myself on that maybe we should just have a look i'm just having a quick look i'm gonna let you look as well um at the uh, no thank you at the news if there's something new uh, google says a fix for the pixel 4 face unlock is months away what the fuck Seems to be a relatively big problem, I guess. Convertible closeouts best buy slashes prices on a Surface Pro 6. Microsoft's secured core PC feature protects critical code. Steam now lets you play local multiplayer games with friends over the internet. Which is amazing. Which is now NordVPN admits to isolated server breach in Finland. So NordVPN confirms it actually was hacked as TechCrunch reports. You won't believe the prices HP has slashed during its latest sale. Microsoft acquires Mover, or Mover. Microsoft acquires Mover to help with Microsoft 365 cloud migration. It's always quite nice, you know, if you're having the money, just buying some other companies that are able to do what you're not able to do is just a pretty nice thing, especially if it's startups, startups and which uh, just are relatively cheap, like, it's still going to be millions. Just have a look. You know, just having a look at it. Um, announces acquiring the cloud file, blah, 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 blah. Uh, uh, Mova had raised 1.5 million in private funding. Which is actually quite a lot. You know, it might not be as much as some other companies and whatnot. But it's it's still quite something. It really is something. 1.5 million. So, I don't know. Like, what it, what's what it is going to be like. Like, I don't know, it's going to be like, I think 10 million or something that Microsoft paid for it. Like, it's it's still enough, of course, you know, but because there's only like 1.5 in it and maybe there's even more at this point in time. I don't know. Like, it depends on what solution they had and how good the solution was and whatnot. But yeah, let's actually see if I'm able to find a really quick core question. Let's reload the page. Um, what habit are you trying to eliminate? Um, being aggressive. This is something that I'm trying to eliminate. Um, and also, obviously, not being so selfish with what I'm doing here. Like, to really 
trying to make something for the people. Um, how does one become more open-minded? Uh, I think by just getting knowledge, reading more, listening more to things, seeing more things, asking yourself why you are just so closed-minded or something. You know, why you're thinking in this way, why it is the case, all those things. I guess you asking questions in general is a really, really important thing at my point of view. Like, yeah, it really is something that, that can help you to get out of certain situations, some, some mental situations, I guess, because it can lead you to thinking about uh, thinking about scenarios and thinking about situations in a completely different way. And then it obviously changes something. You know, it then obviously changes the whole, uh, or probably is going to change, or hopefully is also going to change how you think about those certain things. But yeah, um, this is going to be the end of the episode. I guess, at least I do hope that I was able again to provide you with, with something that was valuable and also really interesting and also entertaining and whatnot. So yeah, um, I wish you the best health of happiness and also success and I also hope that you're going to remind yourself and you're going to be remembered, which basically means your legacy because this is something that we can stimulate and or manipulate because we can just be nice people and then being remembered as nice people. Even though I do also have to point out that this might not be the case for everybody you know not everybody is gonna like you because we're 7.7 billion fucking people on this planet there's gonna be a hundred people or maybe even a thousand or 100,000 people that just dislike you or even hate you it is what it is but three other questions that i'm hoping um or that i hope that you're going to ask yourself are why are you here what are you trying to change and what is bothering you the most those three questions are hopefully going to show you, your pur- show you your purpose and maybe even a business idea. You know, since a lot of companies started out with fixing a problem or having a solution for a problem that really pissed them off. But yeah, um, this is it with the episode. I do hope that the audio wasn't too loud actually just because I'm seeing it's, it's like really popping. You know, it's like really going up and up and up and up and up. And uh, yeah, <laughs> i see you next time. If you like the episode, then uh, please subscribe to the youtube channel and also please subscribe to the podcast it would really mean the world to me you know especially because i'm then able to see you the next time as well so i see you hopefully at least